Welcome to this episode of Nupi's The World Stage podcast. We are in conversation with Hans Olof Ibrek and Florian Kramper to take stock of Norway's work on climate, peace and security during its period as an elected member of the UN Security Council. Hans Olof Ibrek is Norway's special envoy for climate, peace and security. And Florian Kramper is the director of the Climate Change and Risk Program at the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. My name is Cedric de Kooning. I'm a research professor with the Norwegian Institute of International Affairs. Together with Florian, I co-lead a climate, peace and security risk project that is a joint NUPI-CIPRI project supported by Norway. So uh, although I'm uh, interviewing Hans Olof and Florian, we are also colleagues uh, collaborating together on a joint project and uh, with support from, from Norway. So let's see how it goes. Hans Olof, uh, let's start with you. Uh, Norway served as an elected member of the UN Security Council from 2021 to 2022. And Norway identified four priority areas for its period on the council, including climate security. What would you say Norway has achieved in the area of climate, peace and security over these two years? Thank you, Cedric. And uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much for uh, having me on uh, this uh, podcast. I'm looking forward to this uh, conversation. Um, let me start out maybe saying a little bit about over, over, uh, overall achievements. Uh, we were in the council for a two-year period. And the dynamics in the council uh, changed quite considerably over those two years. And of course, that also affected the results that we have achieved. So I think overall that um, it has shown that the composition of the council matters and that there is actually room for an elected member such as Norway to play a role and to make a difference. Um, of course, for us, this applies to standing up for values and principles, uh, speaking out clearly in defense of international law as well as, our, as to our ability to find diplomatic solutions across relatively entrenched dividing lines in the Council. And of course, climate and security is definitely a controversial um, issue f in the Council. We have just put two challenging years uh, behind us, um, and we are all aware of what happened on the 24th of February uh, last year. And of course, that changed dynamics in the Council to a large extent, and it has uh, shaken the trust and confidence in the whole institution of the UN. And Russia has also misused its veto power, and um, that has actually blocked the Council to responding to money issues. Uh, so um, I think this needs to be taken into account when we are assessing our performance. Um, and of course, then uh, the Council's agenda has also changed over the year. We picked up climate change as a key issue because this has become a more prominent threat in the last few years. So for us, it was important to ensure that the Council continued to take an active role to increase recognition of the links between climate change, peace and security. So then, in order to assess our results, I'm not going to go into all the details, but I think we had quite uh, modest ambitions coming into the Council because of the status uh, of climate, uh, in climate change in the Council. So our key objectives were that we wanted to ensure that climate and security was acknowledged uh, in situations outside Africa. So the first one was out of Africa. Second, 
we attempted to try to move climate from the preambular paragraphs to operational paragraphs in the various resolutions. Third, we wanted to pursue a thematic resolution. We knew that from the outset would be extremely difficult. Fourth, it was key for us to help to fill the library. That's where we welcome the cooperation that we initiated with NUPI and CIPRI because you've really helped us to fill the library. And the only way of convincing um, those that are not supportive of the agenda is actually to start filling the library, library and make the case. And fifth, we wanted to develop capacity in the UN system to ensure that they have the capacity to deal with the issues going forward. And I'm pleased to say that, uh, from my perspective at least, if uh, I'm not probably not a, a neutral observer, uh, but as a biased observer, I think we actually achieved results uh, on all of these issues. First, I would say that probably our legacy issue is that we expanded the agenda to include the peace aspects. Uh, so now it's being labeled climate, peace and security and not only climate and security, the, which it was before. And our aim was then to contribute to an increased focus on the possibilities for peace building through cooperation on climate uh, measures. And this was done then primarily through an ARIA formula meeting that Norway, together with Kenya, hosted in November 2022. So in terms of written results, um, the number of uh, written products, that means resolutions and uh, presidential statements that included references to climate change, uh, increased from 40 to almost 70 during our uh, years. We also managed to include climate change in the mandates of uh, the UN operations in, uh, in Cyprus, UNFISIP, and also in Iraq. And we managed to include a reference to uh, adverse impacts of drought in the, in the mandate for UNAMA in Afghanistan. And I think actually that would be sort of the key results that we achieved in, a, in addition to all the support that we provided through, uh, through various uh, mechanisms to support capacity building in the UN. And then I'm quite sure we will dive more into our cooperation with NUPI and CIPRI later on in terms of producing all these fact sheets that has been really instrumental in framing the debate in New York. Thank you so much, Hans-Olo. That was uh, really interesting to hear how you have set objectives for yourself and, and how you see you have achieved some of those objectives. And, uh, one can hear that it becomes um, you know, very specific in terms of the, the things that one and, and the ways in which one can influence and try to shape uh, how climate, peace and security is taken seriously and taken up and operationalized by the Security Council. But let me turn to Florian, because uh, he has worked in this area for a number of years. And I know he's also been involved in supporting the work of Sweden and others when they were on the council previously. So Florian, what do you think Norway has been able to achieve in this area of climate, peace and security during its time on the Security Council? Now, thank you, Cedric, and uh, thank you also for the opportunity to contribute to this podcast and, and be part of this conversation. And thank you for the great cooperation over the last uh, two years in working on this project together. Um, I think Hans-Olaf summarized it quite well. Um, I would like to look at probably one dimension as the insight achievements, insights the Security Council realm, and then the, um, the second side is what happened around and within the wider UN system, I think there are interesting um, dimensions. I think 
Hans Olaf mentioned the context, how the context has changed in those two, two years. And there's on the one hand the invasion of Ukraine through Russia. On the other hand was the veto of the thematic resolution by Russia um, in, in December um, 21. So it was a really tough time. There was a tremendous change. There was initial dynamic keeping the, the agenda alive and, and new things, uh, new topics and, and angles coming in, more resolutions, uh, receiving language. And it transitioned into a period where it was more difficult to to keep this agenda alive. The reluctance was stronger after the veto to, to keep this uh, the language within those resolutions. But I think the explicit contributions here is like keeping it alive, bringing new language into into new contexts and new resolutions, but also narrowing it down, widening the agenda by bringing the peace angle in. But I think at the same time that narrowed it to some extent while keeping it on an issue that is explicitly a Security Council mandate. And that was the ARIA forum that um, Hans Olaf was referring to. I think an interesting change also over the time, and um, I think that has to do with the increased knowledge and and understanding that we see in and around the Security Council about the issue of climate security is a change in the argumentation of the non-like-minded states, so of those states that, that don't consider the secu uh, climate security an issue for the Security Council. Before, that was a really poor argument. That was more like, we don't like this and don't want this to be an issue here. And it developed into a much more substantial counter-argument, which I think was really important to the debate. Um, there's still a lot of politics and, and polemic, I guess, in there. But I think there is a much more substantial engagement around, um, you know, taking on the IPCC report and, and bringing those arguments in and having a, a debate that is focused on knowledge. So while the Security Council, I think, has made progress, um, there have been challenges, but overall the agenda has been alive, I think there was really interesting dynamics around the Security Council and a lot of progress. The climate security mechanism that was started a couple of years ago has been growing, um, a new, um, both in the number of um, members or contributors to the um, climate security mechanism, a mechanism that is the UN Department of Political and Peacebuilding Affairs, UN Environment, and the UN Department, uh, the UN Development Program, um, added the Department of Peace Operations um, to its um, core group um, more recently, and overall the involvement of the CSM and um, in the field has been quite substantial, and we see that overall, not just the CSM, but missions are reporting on the issue. You you will find a number of, of um, SRSGs in UN missions that are quite literate on what the security implications of climate change are in this um, in, the, in their geography. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we didn't see before. So what I hear you saying, uh, both you and Hans Olaf, is that the way this uh, debate has developed in the Security Council has created an enabling framework for how climate, peace, and security has been implemented in the UN system, and in particular in peace and security and peace operations. But Hans Wolof mentioned uh, 
specific resolutions, language and specific resolutions, uh, preambular operational paragraphs. Why is the language so important? What is the link between the specific language in the Security Council and then how that results in, let's say, how a particular peace operation acts? Um, Florian, is that something you could you could elaborate on and help our listeners to understand why this focus on particular language? It depends where you are. But I think um, in a lot of instances it has forced some people to look and consider this issue, which they haven't considered before. I mean, we, we have to understand that in all those contexts there's a lot going on, right? It's a very complicated setup. Um, you're having a peace operation, you have a conflict raging, you have so many things going on. Um, climate might not be an additional factor you have on your agenda, even though we see these impacts. So I think that was important to get this language in and, um, and to force some to, to focus on this agenda and um, add resources on that. Thank you very much. Hans Olof, do you want to add to that? Yeah, just to add a little bit on what Florian said, I think it's important to focus on the fact that as when you get it, get the language in into resolutions, uh, especially if you get it in the operational paragraphs, this is something that the missions have to re relate to. They have to deal with it, and at least they have to report on what they've done. So that's why it was important for us to move it, like I'm saying, from PPs to OPs, from preambular paragraphs to OPs, because in preambular, that's sort of nice to do and you don't really have to do something. But as long as it is in the OPs, you have to address the issue and report on what you're doing. You don't necessarily have to take a lot of action, but at least you have to report what you've done. And that's also the tool to start allocating resources. And I think that's really important from a budgeting and staffing perspective. So it's not always sort of um, uh, when you report back, uh, going back going back to your family for dinner and you s tell your kids what you've done. Yeah, I managed to get climate change into a mandate or a resolution uh, in the Security Council. Um, doesn't really create a lot of uh, of buzz around the table, but if, <laughs> but it is really important in terms of a resource perspective. So it's really put the issue on the agenda. Yeah, that was very interesting. It's one of the things I think I also observed in our work with a number of countries, how slight change of wording in the Security Council actually resulted in the peace operations that we dealt with taking the, the matter much more seriously. But um, maybe another issue, Hans Olof, that I wanted to follow up is that, uh, as you mentioned earlier, that Norway, together with Kenya, took the lead in organizing an ARIA formula meeting in November 2022, which focused on, on broadening the concept of, of climate security to include peace, so to talk about climate, peace and security rather than climate security. Um, and you made the case for broadening this concept in this ARIA formula meeting. Uh, what what is the significance or what are the implications for the work of the Security Council and the practical work of the UN system more generally by introducing peace into this uh, climate peace and security narrative? First, let me also build a little bit on what Florian just uh, said, that even though the dynamics in the Council was difficult in 2022, um, Compounded by the Euro Ukraine crisis uh, and also then, of course, the veto from Russia on the, the thematic resolution, we actually achieved quite a lot of results uh, in 2022, despite the fact. Uh, so the dynamics in the Council were not that difficult to work on this file. Uh, so that's why we 
decided we wanted to then organize the ARIA Formula meeting um, to broaden the concept and include peace. And of course, for us, the main rationale behind that was, as you all know, Norway um, spends a lot of efforts on peace building and helping in providing support to peace and reconciliation efforts. So it was important for us to try to build on the experiences that we have gained through various peace building activities and see how we can include climate action into peace building activities and, and explore further how these uh, two elements could be reinforced. Um, and this also built it on uh, the IPCC report, Inter Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change uh, report uh, that also identified environmental peace building as a promising avenue for addressing conflict uh, risk. And the same also through CIPRI's uh, Environmental Peace Report that you both uh, contributed to also highlighted this and we've seen numerous examples where we have, we have used and dialogue and around environmental issues, especially transboundary water issues that had helped to gain trust and confidence uh, among uh, parties uh, in, in conflict. Um, so we saw this uh, as uh, an opportunity to bring in actually the opportunity side of this uh, and not only looking at uh, this from a conflict uh, side to see how you can use then cooperation around environmental issues and climate issues as a tool for initiating dialogue between partners. Um, so this uh, was important then for us to explore further how climate action and, and of course there's a lot of emphasis on climate adaptation and including loss and damage these days and how this can create entry points uh, for peace and how climate resilience can reduce uh, climate risk and create opportunities. Uh, because peace processes, peace interventions and programming must be climate sensitive. So we see that the best investment in peace is also to place additional resources into prevention and early action and then use uh, climate action as a tool in order to achieve that. Mm, that's interesting because... As I mentioned earlier, NUPI and CIPRI have been collaborating on a project uh, on climate-related peace and security risks. So we, we included peace in the project scope uh, from the beginning. But um, Florian, maybe if I can ask you to, to tell us a little bit about this, more about this project and uh, explain how this kind of uh, research policy collaboration uh, was intended to support Norway during its time on the Security Council. Yeah. Maybe a short reflection on, on what Hans Olaf also said before. I think it's, the opportunities is key, but I think what comes with the opportunities and this focus is actually the synergies, right? And I think that is something really important because the first thing you hear is typically, well, now I also have to do climate change. And I think what this agenda and the reshaping of the focus, bringing in these different angles, wider angles to it, showed is this is not just another ball on the Christmas tree. This is a this is part and parcel of it, right? And if we do these projects, um, our responses to climate security risks um, in, a, in a smart way, then we do climate adaptation, we do development, and we do peace building, right? We can do three things with one activity, which is A, clever, takes less work, and it's probably financially much more viable than, than having to invest into all these angles. Could I jump in on that one? Because I, I think it, this is also an issue that is being perceived as an external issue. It's an external risk, external threat to all of us, regardless 
uh, if we are in conflict, uh, climate change uh, affects all of us. Uh, so that sense, it's also easier to rally around a topic that is sort of external to you. And it's not necessarily the parties themselves that can solve this problem, but it's affecting all of them. Mm. Yeah. But you ask about the project um, that we were running. Um, so we have been, over the course of these two years, been working on a project called Climate-Related Peace and Security Risks, um, where I think we consciously in the conceptualization already wanted to take security to some extent out of the name, right? Put other dimensions, put peace, development more into the focus um, <clears throat> to, to widen the agenda in that respect. And I think, um, so as a setup of the project, it's a, it's a research project between CIPRI and NUPI with, I would say, three components. One is knowledge generation. Like we wanted to generate knowledge about climate-related security risks or climate-related peace and security risks for countries that are on the Security Council agenda to provide those decision makers in New York with a snapshot view of what is the security implication of climate change specifically in this context as one of the many other security dimensions that exist in, in these contexts, right? But an explicit four-page summary of translating academic research into a language and a, an assessment that is digestible for a policy crowd in that respect. Um, so we have produced by now, I think, 13 fact sheets on, on, um, with some updates, but um, overall producing sort of this, this new insight or, or translating this, this academic insight into, into um, a, a product that was received in New York. And I think that worked quite well. Um, I think there was, was a quite good reception um, to it. And part of that process, which was very important for us, or still is because we are still doing this project, is engagement with the community, but engagement with like the UN community in New York, engagement with the UN mission in the affected country that we're looking at, but also the government and other institutions and civil society, if possible, to get various perspectives in. Because at the end of the day, we can come up with great policy recommendations, but they don't resonate. They don't make any sense, right? And we wanted to have with this project knowledge products that give you knowledge, but also give you actionable, very relevant policy recommendations that are implementable. So that was, the, the, I think, the most visible core product. And then the second dimension was um, dialogues, right? We heard um, the Russian veto is, is mentioned. There are countries on the UN Security Council that look at the issue a bit more reluctant or are opposing it. And our ambition was to, to conduct dialogues with academics in those countries, A, for us to better understand, get into a dialogue. What is the issue? How are the security issues related to climate change playing out? What can we learn mutually about this agenda? And I think that was quite interesting and stimulating. We did um, dialogues with, with researchers in India. We did uh, dialogues with researchers in, 
in um, China and also facilitated a, a, a network in the Nordic and Baltic region, right? And which was quite interesting to get different perspectives in and to enrich the, the debate and the discussion. And of course, the last point is around uh, enhanced policy engagement, I think. So we used the fact sheets, um, for instance, to engage with the UN missions, right, and and help them in their work and and have sort of a conversation with them and facilitate conversations and across different um, communities to to bridge those different priorities, issues, and and bring those things together, which I think worked quite well in in most instances, um, and yeah. Yeah, and very interesting. I mean, as you describe, it was it was interesting for me as well to see how a written product like the fact sheet, how the process of producing those fact sheets, and then how those fact sheets have been used as a way of uh, a framework for a conversation or stimulating an opportunity to, for colleagues to reach out to each other. So very interesting to see how a a written product like that can actually enable and facilitate, uh, you know, work and, and dialogue on this area. But Hans Olaf, how, how have you experienced this collaboration between the Foreign Ministry of Norway and our two research institutes? And uh, maybe I should also ask you how you would have done it differently now that you that you had the opportunity to look back at the last two years. Uh, if you had a chance to do it again, how how would you do it differently? First, let me say, of course, from our side, this has been an excellent uh, cooperation. And I cannot say anything beside that uh, in this podcast either, even though I will provide some other remarks uh, later on uh, on the experiences that we've gained. Um, but this has been an excellent example of where we've tried to use then um, top-notch uh, research um, uh, into more operational activities, um, policy-making activities, and used it vis-a-vis our council uh, or, or our, the other members in the Security Council to make the case then and underpin the language proposals that we have proposed uh, to the various uh, mandate resolutions. Um, we started out, but let me take a few steps back. When we started focusing on the climate security 2014-2015, um, we also noticed that there is actually limited expertise and capacity in Norway and the Nordic countries on this issue. Of course, uh, from the Nordic side, we had Sweden pushing the agenda when they were part of the Security Council and then subsequently Germany took over. And so when we were handed the button uh, in uh, 2021, um, uh, we, we had spent a lot of efforts before in order to start reaching out to research uh, communities. And we actually brought together, the, for the first time, uh, Norwegian foreign policy and climate experts uh, in December 2018. They had never met before, and that was the NUPI colleagues and Cicero colleagues and others, uh, where we started discussing climate and security. So, in many ways, we as bureaucrats, uh, even though we are not, def we are being defined as bureaucrats, but we felt to a certain extent that we were actually ahead of the curve um, in terms of a research perspective. But we saw that Sweden had a lot to offer. So for us, it was really important to leave a positive legacy behind in terms of increased expertise and capacity on the issue in Norway as well. It should not be that we uh, working in foreign affairs uh, for two years uh, as members of the Security Council uh, got all the expertise. It was important for us to ensure that uh, 
our research community built the necessary capacity and expertise to deal with this issue because it's an issue that uh, unfortunately not will not go away and it's becoming more and more important every day. So it was a strategic rationale behind the decision we made to build this capacity. And I'm also pleased um, that we managed to ex uh, to develop the, um, and establish the Nordic Baltic Expert Network with the idea that this network could serve members of the Security Council and also Nordic Baltic uh, countries that were bidding for a seat in the Security Council. So we used this uh, and the cooperation with uh, NUPNC pretty quite actively. We, of course, uh, we used the uh, fact sheets, uh, organized debates when we were co-chairs of the informal expert group on climate and security in 2022. Uh, so, th so the fact sheets were then presented to the group and used as a basis for, for discussions. Um, and I'm really pleased also to see that the fact sheets were or benefited from the active outreach and engage with affected countries and also UN colleagues. Um, to criticize a little bit, uh, I think the analytics were good, but maybe recommendations were not really spot on. But I think that's a general problem with a lot of the research is that it's really excellent analysis and excellent research. But when it comes to uh, operational recommendations, that's a little bit more difficult. But of course, to qualify that, uh, researchers are not that close to the processes either. But I think that's something that I think we can work collectively, collectively together uh, on in improving the, the usefulness on some of these recommendations uh, for decision makers. Um, so what would I have done differently? Of course, would have would have started a lot earlier, but we were elected in June uh, 2021, in June 2020. So we in essence had only six months uh, to prepare. So uh, I would have really loved to have all the fact sheets uh, sitting uh, on my computer uh, when we were elected and I started the work, but we didn't have it. So we had to do a lot of the work ourselves initially to collect all relevant information on the various uh, geographies that um, the council dealt with. So for us, working on climate and security file uh, in, in the Security Council, we had to deal with 24, 20, 30 country situations. Uh, so it was a quite demanding task to try to, to collect all relevant information to equip our colleagues uh, with all the necessary information when they started working 1st of January 2021. So I would say that probably we made most of our wins in the council through our own analytical work because uh, we had not really gotten you fully on board, but uh, I think we saw more of your results in 22 than we did the first year. I think also what I said, I. And I think that applies to all of us that um, we could have all benefited with a stronger experience and inside knowledge of the working dynamics inside the council and also among the members of the Security Council. Of course, the whole relationship between the permanent uh, members, the P5s, and the elected members. Um, and for us, and I think that is also a strength that you brought in with good connections to many of the affected countries, especially the African countries, before, because for us it was really important to get the affected countries 
on board the A3s, as they are called in the in the Security Council. And that was really important to ensure that we actually got endorsement uh, of the various uh, language proposals that we submitted. So um, we are extremely pleased. We think we have benefited tremendously uh, from your work. Um, from your side, I think you would have probably have benefited a little bit more by having direct communication between some of our colleagues in New York that were doing the actual negotiations and not having to go through us uh, in Oslo or uh, through the climate uh, and security responsible officer in New York. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Hans Olaf. And Florin, I wanted to ask you because we are, of course, uh, as Nupi and Cipri, continuing our support to Norway's work on this topic, uh, even now that Norway is no longer on the Security Council. And we are now also supporting the work of Switzerland during their period as an elected member of the Security Council in 2023 and 2024. So how, from your perspective, has the climate, peace and security agenda changed over these years, uh, over the years that you've been involved in this topic? And, and what are some of the major issues facing the Security Council and I would say the wider field today and, and, and uh, maybe what we can expect in the coming months? Yeah, thank you, Cedric. I think um, Hans Olaf points taken. I think that is that is um, good reflections and 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 uh, interesting also for our learning on 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 improving the fact sheets and continuing this work. Um, it is of course difficult to. We are not sitting in the negotiation room, and of course, then we have a different role as as a, the academic research partner. So maybe some recommendations are are. Um, of course, coming also from different angles. But Cedric, I think we, we have mentioned that before, um, how the focus has changed towards peace. And I think that is that is probably the biggest um, change that has happened. But before that, I think it's interesting. I mean, the point of this is taking stock of the lessons learned, but I think it's also a point of reflection. And if you look a little bit beyond um, the engagement with Norway, we have come far in the last couple of years, right? And we sometimes don't notice that. As I said, you have regularly SRSGs reporting on climate security as an issue. You have affected countries and non-affected countries raising this issue from various angles, right? You have an active engagement. The UN, various UN agencies are almost competing of, of starting to work on this issue. So we have really come far. This is a topic that has been over the course of the last um, six, seven years really taken taking hold in, in the Council and beyond. Um, the flip side of that is, of course, there's a sad reality of that because the impacts of climate change are not something projected for the future. They are already visible in a lot of these contexts today. And we see how this double burden of climate change and conflict is making life complicated for people and for the UN and other actors to respond to that. I think the major issues on the agenda, I think I mentioned now adaptation is, is one thing. Adaptation is going to be focused and really important also to bring, to acknowledge that climate impacts are happening today, to acknowledge that we need to invest into adapting in those places. But I hope also our work shows that 
a lot of these impacts are because of climate change or related to climate change. That means we need to work on the mitigation front, right? And we can't separate those issues. Um, important questions around financing these interventions and, and getting the finance to the places that there are. Um, for the council to take this forward, I think it will be important. And I think we're seeing that the, the informal expert group that Hans Olaf mentioned um, is now chaired by three Security Council members, Switzerland, the United Arab Emirates, and Mozambique. And I think that is already a much more diverse, diverse crowd, um, and I think we are seeing that much more. And I think it will be really important to see other actors than Norway, Sweden, Germany, or Switzerland taking the lead on this agenda. Um, we should support that, but I think we need other actors um, to, to also be in charge. The last point on what we need to do from the research side, I think, is continue to demystify climate security. Right? Those risks are complex, but actually it's not complicated. Right? We, we understand these dynamics, and in the trainings that we have engaged with, with different actors, you see very quickly that people start to understand those issues, especially in those areas where these effects are felt. Right? They are part and parcel of the security context. And we need to continue to demystify that if we are serious about cooperation and the synergies that we want to go for. Thank you very much, Florian. And I, I think, as you mentioned as well, this uh, synergies and co-benefits that you also see between uh, the peace-building work, the climate adaptation and mitigation work development um, is also something that I think we've really managed to uh, to see emerge over the last uh, couple of months, especially uh, amongst others, thanks to the ARIA formula the meeting that uh, Kenya and Norway organized in November 2022 to kind of broaden this this uh, narrative. But Hans-Wolof, uh, I'm sure Norway will remain uh, engaged in this area. Will will climate security remain a priority for you? And, and what are the ways in which you think uh, Norway will remain engaged in this now that you're no longer on the Security Council? Climate, peace and security will be a priority in our foreign and climate policy going forward. Um, I've said also before that this issue will unfortunately not uh, go away and it will be even more important in the future. And of course, we need to deal with this and it will have a number of implications for foreign policy and also for our climate policy. So I think for us going forward, the most important things will be to continue to make the case uh, and ensure that we have uh, a more broad-based support to the agenda, like Florian also mentioned. So for us also to continue to fill the library, because the library is still, uh, even though we are sitting in the Nupi library here, it's quite thin when it comes to literature on uh, climate, peace and security. So this will be important going forward. So we have to make sure that we also provide the necessary resources to the research community to continue its work. Of course, uh, politically, our emphasis will be shifting now from New York to regional organizations. Um, NATO is uh, just about to establish a center of excellence on climate uh, change and security in Montreal uh, under the leadership of Canada. Norway will second uh, personnel to that center through the Ministry of Defense. So I think that will be an important partner for us uh, going forward because NATO has actually a quite ambitious uh, program on, on climate um, that uh, 
also is uh, is so relevant to this agenda that we have been discussing here today. It's not only greening of the NATO operations itself. We also we need to focus on uh, the work through OSSE, the Organization for uh, Security and Cooperation in Europe, which acknowledged climate change in a resolution for the first time in December 2021 under the Swedish presidency. It's, it was quite ironic that we managed to get that through in uh, in Vienna in December, and then we got a veto in New York in the same month. Uh, and then we need to continue our cooperation with uh, the African Union, the Peace and Security Council there. And I think we need to look at ASEAN. So from us, it will be more focus on uh, regional organizations and try to move this uh, agenda regionally and then continue to develop the necessary expertise and ensure that more countries get on board. We had 113 countries co-sponsoring the thematic resolution, and that's a good indication. But there are still a large number of countries uh, that have not uh, really bought into this agenda. So we have a lot of uh, legwork to do also in New York and in capitals to get more, more countries on board. Thank you very much, Hans-Olof. That sounds like a full agenda for the years ahead. But I'm afraid uh, this is all we have time for in this episode of Nupi's The World Stage podcast. So uh, Hans-Olof, Florian, thank you very much for visiting the studio. And I hope we will continue this conversation in a year or so to take stock of how this field is developing into the future. Thank you very much.